Welcome to the What's Your Revolution show, a place for men and the people who love them, where we discuss how men can find and embrace the healthiest version of themselves. I am your host, Dr. Charles Corpru. I grew up watching strong men play strong characters on TV. There was a debate one day in my household as to who you would rather have as your real-life father. James Evans of Good Times or Cliff Huxtable of The Cosby Show. My friends all exclaimed that they wanted Dr. Huxtable. He was upper middle class, smart, funny, but challenging and fatherly, fatherly to his children. It seemed this was the easy choice. But as I listened to my friends' rationale, the hardworking, stoic, patriarch of the Evans family was my choice. Mr. Evans was more like my father, a stern leader with high expectations for his children. A man who hustled, not that Dr. Dr. Huxtable didn't. But James wore his pride and feelings boldly on his shoulders. Although that may have been his downfall in the end. What was more relevant about the conversation was that as a young man, we got to see black fatherhood portrayed on national TV weekly. However, after the fall of these iconic shows, there seemed to be a void of pivotal figures for young men of color to see working through their masculinities. As a 40-something man, I am happy to see the resurgence of black and brown actors playing pivotal roles that critique the aspects of masculinity and give us new markers for success in and out of Hollywood. Today, as we talk leading men and how they help us to be the best version of ourselves, I am joined by renowned actor, Queen Sugar alum, Nikoi Banks. What's up, brother? How you doing? Man, I'm good. I can't complain. How you doing? Uh, man, I'm doing well, man. I'm honored, man. I am honored, elated, overjoyed. I don't even know, man. You should have you seen when I put it up on Facebook. <laughs> All of the women, they were like, oh, you're going to have Nicole Banks on your show. Please tell him that I said hello. <laughs> well, hello. And hello and hello. Uh, I ain't mad at you, That's brother. That's right. Yeah. Well, congratulations on all your success, man, and everything that you got going on, brother. It's Good. a joy to have you here. Thank you. First question that we always ask our guests, man, is what's your revolution? Oh, man. First of all, <clears throat> thank you for having me. This, this, you know, thinking about what this is going what this conversation was going to be about was 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 pretty heavy you know i circled a few blocks before i was like you know what <laughs> we're just gonna let it flow right that's because, what we do because because the topic is already deep so this can go left right up down and and that's what it's that's what it's made for right. it's, it's made to just go just get in just get in the ocean so what is my revolution my revolution i have several revolutions but right now my revolution is about inclusion Okay. All right. Uh, include the women, include the children, include other races, other nationalities, other cultures. Um, you learn from the other lanes. You learn from those that are ahead of you and those that are behind you. And then you galvanize. See, that's, that's what I believe. If you, uh, if you include, then they feel like they have stake in the game. They have skin in the game. And thus, you create the direction even if you have the direction in your mind it's it's everyone that's chipping in to where it is that we're headed right and thus the movement will have 
a serious, strong momentum. Man, brother, you you have put it out there. Inclusion is where we act. And as you know, we're going to talk about this a lot in the latter part of the show, man, why that is so important to where we are in this country okay. and inclusion and understanding each other's lane. And sometimes how do we jump in the lane and ride together? Hey. You know, we need to do that more often. You know, it was interesting. I had this conversation, you know, about what's going on in our country, man. And, and, and I said... There's a lot of people that failed civics class. Ooh. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Ooh. There are a lot of people out there who did not – either they skipped or they failed civics class mm-hmm. because they are, they're, they're up in arms about certain things. And if you had a teacher like I did, like Mr. Joyner, hopefully you know he's listening. He was my government teacher back at Greenwood High School. Mm-hmm. He made sure that we knew those uh, those Bill of Rights quite yes, quite clearly. Yes, sir. You know you you couldn't pass his class unless you understood what the Bill of Rights meant. So in, being inclusive is actually – a positive and needed revolution that we need to have consistently every day to be to have thoughtful and thought provoking conversation yes. with each other. And we're not doing that. No. You know, we're yelling at each other. No. I'm mad at you. You shouldn't be doing this. How could how could you how could you do this? You know, if I if I can interject, um I came up with this revolution traveling. Yeah. Went to visit my best friend in um, in L.A. a couple of months ago. Um, hooked up with my other best best friend, and we're driving along the 405, the 105. You know they they got all these highways. All man. the fives. They, you know, good gracious. <laughs> and you know you, you hit traffic, and you say to yourself, "Man, you know how can we get to where we need to go?" And then you look over to the far far left is the fast lane. The fast lane says two or more, so you have to have another partner in there. In your car, in your vehicle, to you know, expedite your voyage, right? right? So I said to myself, now you know, for all those that are just riding by themselves, you know, here you are battling, you know, the fast lane, the, not the not the express lane, but you know, the left lane, the middle lane, this lane, that lane. I say, wow! And all you need to do is carpool. Just a couple of people get in your car and say, hey, you know, I'm going where you're going, right? Let's go together, but we'll take my car, right? You know what I'm saying? Right. But we will get there faster being in this lane. Fast forward. If I just ask a couple of questions, say to your, your engineer, hey, what do you do and, and how do you do what you do and why you do what you do? It gives me an appreciation for the entire radio show mm-hmm. because he's working hard. She's working hard back behind the board, making sure that, that we are on time and the levels are straight and, you know, synchronizing and whatnot and get, getting our talk points. And, and you and I are here behind the mic, you know, doing what we do. It, it, it brings a. a, a uh, a beautiful, delicious fabric to all that we do because exactly. I included, I just wanted to know. Right. I just wanted to know what you do and, hey, even give you a shout-out. You don't want to be behind the mic, but just for, just the acknowledgement. You know, that's what I mean when I those say Those lived experiences and understand what is that lived experience like for those people. Come on and jump in this lane with me so we can understand each other. That's right. That's what it's about. We're going in the same direction anyway. Ex- exactly. We are going in the same direction. You know, it's interesting you know, uh, the slogan that we've seen over the last year, make America great. Don't you think that we all want greatness? That's right. It is it is not it is not secure just for a segment of our population. That's right. I, I can I, you can see the passion in my mind. Hey, I, I need to I know down it's, a it's another show. <laughs> you, you got my brain going yeah, in that direction, too. Exactly. And I love so it. so greatness is something that we all aspire to. That's right. Right. And so we need to be able to understand how do we make every bit of this for everyone? 
great. Mm-hmm. Because the people that want, the people that need to be clamoring about making America great again are the people that have been oppressed for so long. That's right. Right? That have been looking for greatness. That's right. So it's quite, don't get me started already. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Don't get me started already. Another show. Yeah, exactly. But look, let, let's tell the let's tell the people who are listening to the show, brother. You are a na- New Orleans native, born and raised. You know, seeing your city, you know, you back in your city. What was it like for you coming up as a young man of color here in this city? I'm gonna tell you something, man. Um, you know, I'm I'm in the '40s also. Um, I grew up uptown, and I grew up with all women, mother, grandmother, great grandmother, great aunt. You know, strong, strong family. I went to a Catholic elementary school and then high school and, you know, college was my choice. Right. Growing up in New Orleans was was rich. It was good. It was it was solid because I had neighborhood, you know, all the dudes, most like the vast majority of my neighborhood, they were older than me. So I, I got to learn street stuff and I got to know what was and wasn't for me. And even when it seemed like I was about to levitate towards certain things. I had those 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 women in there saying, "Hey, hey, come on back inside." Or <laughs> right. like, when it's time to time to come inside. <laughs> come on, you know man. I mean? Come on. When I the mean, streetlights come on, it's time for you to go in. It's time for me to go. Yeah. You know. Now, when I come back outside, you know, the fellas we ribbon. <laughs> so you know, you 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 get thick skin. You learn how to verbally defend yourself, and sometimes physically. You learn how to avoid certain things. You know, there were certain streets, certain don't go around there. Period. Okay. When you get older, I realize why. Um, racism. I was thrown into the mix. I played baseball. My mama said, okay, you're going to go to school here, but during your summers, you're going to be over here. Right. So I got to assimilate with, the you people. know, other races. Right. Right. And, but that was good because at seven, eight, nine, twelve, thirteen, 13, you know, I didn't have those issues of, you know, uh, I feel like I'm on the outside. You got to be involved. You I got to be involved, man. Right. Look, I, I went to, uh, the Manning's house because Cooper Manning was a teammate of mine. He was under me. You know what I'm saying? I spent nights at this guy's house. Right. So, you know, I was desensitized to the, oh, this is just a, a, a big mansion. And, you know, no, I, I got aspirations out of that. There you go. You know, there you go. Interesting that you say that I played ball all my life, grew up in Virginia. Mom wanted to make sure that and that I wasn't playing football. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Interestingly enough, she knew probably I don't want my, my son to have CTE. Um, because you know it was it was rougher than it was now because right. you know the helmets didn't have any padding. Yeah, so that she, equipment was real yeah, thin. Yeah, it's real, real thin. thin yeah. back in the day. So she said, you know, you can play ball, you can play basketball and baseball. Mm-hmm. And I remember looking back, man, at Virginia, like Virginia Beach, like we're still in the South. I mean, mm-hmm. still the South. And I look back at the pictures the other day, man. The name of my first baseball team was the Rebels. Mm-hmm. We had a Confederate flag. <laughs> Look, looking wow. back on the picture, I'm standing there cheesing, and I know my mom is like, "Yo, what?" But baseball allowed me to meet some different folks. That's man. right. You know, we go back to that that opportunity for inclusion, like you said. You know, so you got to experience some different things, more, maybe more so than some people, some children here in New Orleans. What was that like for you? How did it? How did you take those lessons as you developed and moved up in the world? Well, you know, when when you had such a, uh, you know, uh, a distinctive neighborhood and then, boom, I flip over and I'm going to, you know, houses on St. Charles Avenue and on Carrollton and, 
you know, off St. Charles Avenue, like State Street, Nashville, right. and in the Garden District around Commander's Palace. You know, there's there's a huge difference. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm, I'm, you know, 12th Ward, you know what I'm saying? And then I'm, I'm, I'm going in here. I'm like, ooh, okay, this is some different stuff. But I learned how to conduct myself based on my upbringing. So, you know, I didn't have any issues of, you know, touching things that, you know what I'm saying, that looked like they didn't need to be touched. <laughs> but uh, their parents treated me equally as they did their son. Right. So, you know, what they ate, I ate, you know, it was, and they, 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 they showed me courtesy. They showed me deference, you know what I'm saying? And so once I got to high school, I'm a teenager. It's like, okay, this is just how it, it's supposed to be. And even when I saw there were some folks, you know, black or white that wasn't operating like that, I knew what I had in me, so I operated in that right, fashion. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. I still, you know, sat at, I went to De La Salle. It was all boys back then. So, of course, I said, you know, sat with the brothers. You know, we sitting, we chilling. You know, we doing what we do. But, you know, moving through the halls, going to, you know, study sessions or in class or whatever, I did have the wherewithal to just look over and, you know, talk to my counterparts. Like, hey, so, you know, what do you think about this? Let's talk about this or whatever. And so it, it was just natural for me. These opportunities, and I think what I'm hearing is that, we learn, and it's not this big term, but we learn how to code switch. Those experiences uh, uh, show us how to navigate in space. That's right. You know, you think That's you right. think about that. I know I did a little homework on you. How did those experiences move you toward thinking about being a lawyer? Mm. You know, and and then we'll segue <laughs> past that. But how did that move you? Because you, you wanted to be a lawyer. Yeah, I did. Yeah. So how did how did those experiences move you to that space? Elementary school, um, I did uh, a poetry contest, okay. which is how I got into acting, um, and I won. And my sixth grade teacher was she was just hugely instrumental in in all of this. To be very honest with you, uh, that was my best year of school ever, high, high school, college, whatever. I mean, like I had all A's, man, all A's conduct, you know, whatever. But, <laughs> yeah, and that that that, 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 that yeah. But anyway. Um, but that's when I got in touch with who I was, and I and I realized, you know, my little stature, but I had a voice, and she developed that. So, you know, going forward, high school, you know, the, the athletics didn't, you know, kick in gear like I wanted it to, but I always had forensics. I gotcha, always had that, gotcha. the stage, and I knew I knew what I had, and, and I exercised it, and I, I worked on it. So college... Back then, it's like, you know, I didn't have anybody in front of me to say, hey, this type of stuff, you can be an actor. You know, I did some stage in high school, and, you know, so I was like, well, I'm going to go and, you know, be a lawyer. What do you do with all this speaking ability and processing information and knowing how to, you know, move a crowd, knowing how to tell a story? So, yeah, I started down that path. And then one day I just looked up and I realized, man, I don't really love this. That's Not to thing. sound cliche. No, no, no. I've but been I don't there. really I've love been there. this. But what I do love. I, I love telling stories. I love sharing stories, learning. I was really good in history and, and English. It makes sense because I can process stories and I remember things and I can relate to it and I can feel it. Right. So, boom, I was like, well, going into the courtroom and maybe defending someone that I, I, I think is guilty or I don't know if I would really be able to do that consciously. You know, not saying that there's some, you know, right. heartless lawyers or whatever, but it just wasn't there love. Are. And believe it or not, man, hey, I was like, you know what? I'm going to go take this acting thing seriously. And I just, boom, submerged in it. And, man, when you put it out in the universe, and I don't mean to sound very esoteric and, you know. It's all good, brother. It's all good. Alchemy. But there's some truth to this. You put it out in the universe, man, things begin to happen. The, things just begin to move. You you meet the right people. Certain things 
do and do not happen for you like you plan it. And thus, you know, your path just starts laying itself. And what you have to do is step out. You got to step out there on faith and just keep putting one foot in front of the other. Right. So that's how I ended up in New York because of someone. But I wouldn't have met this someone, Tommy Myrick, had I not stepped out on straight faith. Like, this is what I'm doing. And I heard about an audition. It was at Suno. Okay, oh. me and my other two boys, let's go. And guess what happened? My two, It was a two-day audition. Those two friends of mine, they didn't even show up. What? Didn't so even show up. If you know, you've, you've heard Eric Thomas. You've heard all, all, all the people. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's just about showing up when Sometimes you don't want it's to it's up, just man. about showing up and man. what if i would have what if i i, I would have maintained that you know to get along gang you know what i'm saying like well my boy's not going right. and because no. there's my safety net and right. we heard about it at the same time and one of my boys it was his teacher it was his teacher at uno told me it was his teacher so i'm like well he was the inroad so if he doesn't go then uh, I, uh, no you gotta go you and gotta i went man no by myself you were listening to the what's a revolution show powered by etna as we sit here talking to the acclaimed McCoy Banks, man, dropping his story a little bit to us about how he got to this point where he said, you know what? I'm going to go out and be an actor. I'm going to do it. What was that audition like, man? What was Ooh, it? Tell me about that. That audition. Now, here we talk <laughs> about this other thing. I'm, I'm certain everyone has heard the formula of success. Opportunity meets preparation. Yeah. Right? Opportunity meets preparation. Tommy Myrick, I love her. Like, I, I really call her my mentor, right? Uh... She had, we were in the auditorium at Suno, and she has everyone go up on stage and do a monologue. Now, you're doing this in front of other, other people, right? You don't know, you just do you have something? Yes. So you have to have something. Right. I had something, and I did what I had, and she looked at it. Okay, she stopped me in the middle of it. She gave me a couple of directives, and she said, do it again, and I did it again. She said, okay, thank you. Sit down. That's it, right? So, uh, man, it was, it was shocking. But yet, you know, she knew what she was doing. Fast forward, uh, she put me in, you know, this particular play and, you know, other actors went and she put them, placed them in other plays and whatnot. Man, you can only control what you have and what you bring because the powers that be, you don't know what they're thinking. If, if you make the mistake of trying to think what they're thinking, you've lost. You know why? Because you are now losing yourself. Right. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. You're giving away your power. Authenticity. You you really are because, well, let me sound the way that I think they want me to sound. Or let me dress the way that I think they want me to dress, you know, because this is that type of show or this is that type of person or, that you know, this type of thinker. No. You show up and let them ask you questions and you just be you just be you and 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 a lot of people ask that question so how is auditioning you know okay early on auditioning is rough it's tough because the nose and the this and the that and you know it'll make you be very insecure mm. because they didn't want me but then you have to grow up and realize not saying that you're not grown in those moments but grow up in thinking and say you know what i am enough it just it's just this project wasn't for me man tell Say that again, because I think that we go through this period where this period of, of rejection and not mm -hmm. understanding the mental toughness behind that. And I think what, it, what is clear that we need to really point out is that by being your authentic self, right? Mm -hmm. And it sounds like you've understood that authenticity is about being the healthiest version of yourself. And when you know in that sense, I am being my authentic self and I am bringing myself to the space, it may not be right for me. What is for me, as is, is, is my good friend Camille says, what is for me is for me. 
you know. And I and I think about her and the work that she's doing now with the good folks of Virginia Beach. And she always says to me, she's like, Charles, some things are for me. And she was interviewing for different projects. She said, you know what, I didn't get this. And then she settled into this one project. Mm -hmm. And it was for her. Mm -hmm. And she is blowing it up. And like like you said, you know, time and time again, and, and so for people who are listening to the show today, I think that you have to understand, as you find the healthiest version of yourself, you have to understand everything is not for you. No, it's not. No, no matter how it sounds, seems, or smells, looks. looks, you know, it, it, and, and guess what? The good news is it's okay because what's for you could be right next to it. It could be right <laughs> next to it. I'll tell you another funny one real tell fast. Tell me, brother. If you don't go into these spaces with you on 8, 9, and 10, you're, you're shortchanging yourself and you're shortchanging your audience because – what you may be going in for, like, okay, I'm t talking, you know, acting, right? right? I'm going into audition for this character. And, and they give you uh, what they call sides. And in the sides, they will give you a description, a brief description of the character, right? You know, this personality and, you know, the age range and so on and so forth. So give you an idea of, you know, let's, the swag of the character, right? The thought process or whatever. And you can make backstory about the character around that. And then you got your lines and with the character, you know, with the other character opposite of you. And then, you know, boom, you put you and, you know, with these characteristics in mind, you put you in it, and you know, do your thing. If you not, if you don't give it, give it the oomph, you could very well sell yourself, sell yourself completely out because what you could emit, they can look at the tape or look at you and say, that role is not enough for him or her. Let me read them for this character. Right. And you know what? That happened to me on the very first movie I ever did. And it was a Christian film, a Christian film called A Heart of Stone. I went in auditioning thinking that I was auditioning for one of the one of the thugs, one of the, one of the crew members, you know. And they say, do you have a, a, a monologue? I said, I do. See, prepare. Ready to go. I, I, Preparation I, ready to go. I didn't have to step out and, oh, let me. No, I, I got it. I'm ready. I'm, I'm ready. And boom, I, I picked one. I said, I'm going to pick this one. And it was, you know, a pretty fiery, you know, uh, 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 monologue. And they go, okay, thank you. Two days later, they call me and they say, they, it's called a callback when they want to see you again. They call me back and they say, we want you to come in and audition for Moss. And I was shocked. I said, what, uh, Moss is the, the lead character. They said, yeah, we, yeah, that's, we want you to come <laughs> back in for that. And here in my mind, I'm thinking, I was reading for, you know, I, I forgot the character's name, but it's called Bobo. And Bobo dies <laughs> in, uh, you know what I'm saying? In, in the first in, scene. In, in the movie. He's, he, he's dead. The movie is surrounded by, uh, 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 centers around Moss. And it was a Christian film. Two guys coming back to New Orleans, you know, to set up, um, an alternative place for juveniles instead of, you know, ju juvenile attention, you know, uh, a place where they could come and get life skills, you know, as well as some, uh, some religion, some spiritual right. stuff. Exactly. You know what I mean? And, and and if I would have walked in there and played myself like Bobo, played myself and played to what I thought I was auditioning for, meaning one of the guys, a supporting actor, who knows what would have happened. Gotcha. And, 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 and that's the thing. Uh, that is the thing. How has that mode, that the modality led you to more opportunities? As an actor, as a as a actor who is black and male, okay. bringing that authenticity to every project. You know what, man? I uh, studying for for actors. You know, we have such a great great job because we study constantly, people, 
movements, patterns, rhythms, dialects, everything. We just, we just, it's a sponge. You know, we operate, you know what I'm saying, with, 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 with both sides of our brains going, you know what I mean? So one day I may have to, you know, one day I'm going to audition for a, a radio jockey, you know what I'm <laughs> saying? So right now I'm, I'm not, you know, I'm not like, I'm taking you in, gotcha. you know, your disposition gotcha. and whatnot, you know, like, boom, I'm making little notes, right? You know, the engineer behind the board, I'm, I'm watching his eyes look up at the time. <laughs> you know, one day I may have to Jazz play o. that. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Shout out to Jazzo, you know, look at his demeanor, okay? And so I start to study other actors that I like, Don Cheeto and Wesley and, you know, Blair Underwood was one of my favorites then. And then I got a chance to work around him and then with him was just crazy. Right. You know what I mean? And I watched the roles that they selected. And then I also used to watch their interviews. Because one of the major things I learned going to uh, acting school in New York is who you are as a person is who you are as an actor. And it completely made sense to me then. But as I grew as a man in New York, I was like, oh, I get it. Yeah, um, man. Keep, unpack that. Keep unpack on. That. So if I'm meeting Blair Underwood on the street. Hey, man. He is open. He's embracive. He's personable. You know, he's giving. He's he's like a man. He, he looks you in the eye and, you know, take you for who you are. But it's a comfortable distance. Right. But you don't feel like he's, you know, giving you the Heisman. Right. You know what I mean? I got you. He's not aloof. No. And so you look at that. You take him in, you know, just, you know, jeans and T-shirt. And then you look at the roles that he played. And, 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 you, and you watch the things in which, you know, he's done when he was in uh, uh, um, Set It Off. Ooh, we. And, and then when you fast forward into other movies and, and, and his TV work, I'm like, what was it, that early law? What was sense. that early um, law show that he was on? Yeah, I think it was L.A. Law. L.A. Law. That's right. That's oh, right. Thank oh, you, Rachel. Oh man, <laughs> you know he was just a he's a classic. And I said to myself, I I I, I align myself with that. I find man. myself to be a classic kind of dude. You know, from being from New Orleans. You know what I mean? So I can align myself with that. Those okay. Let me not leave that quality at home. When I meet people, go to auditions, when I walk in the room, when I'm walking out of the room, because that's who I am and who I was and who and how I was made to be. So what I'm saying is I try to bring it all. I got you. I try to bring it all. As we get continue mm-hmm. a second, and we're thinking about going to break for a, in a minute, I want you to think about all the things that you've done, you know, your successful career, you know, you're 40, you're, you're making the move. What's next? What's next for you personally? What's next for you professionally? Oh, I don't have to think about that. No, there you go. I'm, I'm ready. Tell, right tell the people. More. We're sitting at the table. More. More. More is next. More. The bigger opportunity, the bigger uh, exposure, the bigger movie, the bigger cast, the bigger actor that I'm, I'm, I'm starring uh, opposite, you know, I'm starring with, right. along, alongside. More. More and 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 and, and the, the beauty of the more is it it won't ever stop. No, it won't ever stop. It's it's just gonna parlay to something else, which is gonna challenge me to learn something else. More, 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 and more the, the good stuff. More the good stuff. More the and good stuff. The thing about that is that if, if we ask the spirit for abundance, I, I, hey hey, I wake up <laughs> and I say it out loud. More. Exactly. I want more. You want more. I want more. Well, we're gonna come back. You know. And talk about what more looks like, as well as some other topics, particularly what's going on in our country, right. with uh, Dr. Elam from Stanford, Sterling, Sterling K. Brown's mentor, and Ryan Williams, director of Multicultural Initiatives from NBC News. Stay tuned with us. This is the What's Your Revolution show. 
the best thing since sliced bread is his kids, his hugs, his lips, his touch. And I just want the whole world to know about my black brother. I love you, and I'll never try to hurt you. I want you to know that I'm here for you forever, true, because you're my black brother, strong brother, and there is no one above you. I want you to know that I'm here for you forever, true, because you're my misunderstood. Some say that he's up to no good around the neighborhood. Well, for your information, a lot of my brothers got education. Now check it, you got your Wall Street brother, your blue collar brother. You're down for whatever, chilling on the corner brother. Your talented brother, and to every one of y'all behind bars, you know that Angel loves you. My black brother, The New Orleans East Clinic is now open and accepting appointments to meet your health care needs. Located on the sixth floor of the New Orleans East Hospital at 5620 Reed Boulevard, the New Orleans East Clinic is open Monday through Friday from 8 a.m. to 4.30 p.m. to service your medical needs. Accepting all major insurances, get comprehensive medical expertise in one convenient location. Our team of multi-specialty physicians focuses on primary care, pulmonary care, orthopedics, gastroenterology, and neurology services. They're dedicated to providing health care education and comprehensive medical services to improve your overall quality of life. Call 592-6760 today to schedule an appointment with the New Orleans East Clinic. Quality health care close to home. Peace, family. 
It's your brother Peter, the poet enlightened to encourage humanity. Inviting y'all to join in and check out my new spoken word radio show called The Den. This ain't gonna be another one of them shows where folks come through and just talk that talk. I'm gonna have an opportunity to sit down with real poets who know how to use words to create art with the intention of penetrating thoughts and inspiring minds. We are the guardians of our culture. We speak truth to refute what the beast taught you. We speak words that heals the souls of those the beast taught you. And we speak things into existence as though they already are. We convey ancestral messages. We stand on our squares and ciphers and decipher what today's mathematics is. And they say that the pen is mightier than a sword. But just tune in and check out what we do with the power of the spoken word. Tune into the den to say that den every this Saturday starting October 7th from 6 p.m. to 7 p.m. on WBOK 1230 a.m. or WBOK 1230 a.m. WBOK 1230 a.m. The People's Station. Welcome back to the Western Revolution Show. Sitting here with my man, Nikoi Banks, Queen Sugar alum, man, rising star, rising star, rising actor. We're going to get back into our conversation about leading men. And I'm going to bring in a couple superstars themselves. But first, let's bring in Ryan Williams, director of Multicultural Initiatives from NBC News. Ryan. How are you doing? How you doing, brother? What's going on? Right now to be a black man in America. Man. <laughs> Let's jump right in. <laughs> Boom. Boom. Hey, you, you, you ain't lying, Ryan, man. You know, it's, it's, it's tough times for us. Uh, how are you handling, you know, what's going on within our country, you know, being in such a pivotal role at NBC News and seeing everything that's going on? How are you handling within NBC News and, and promoting what you've got going on there? You know, I'm, I'm really proud to be at NBC News and proud to be in a, in a industry where uh, we, we understand that we our, our job is to test what's in terms of what's going on on a day-to-day. And, you know, for over 85 years, you figure since the early days of radio, we've been doing it. And, you know, as I look at the at the news and I look in, at the arts and their team, I look at all in terms of what we, uh, what we do every day. And it reminds me how much, as black men, we um, how important it is for us to shape hearts and minds. And, and you know, the fact that we're doing it on television, that we're doing it in film, we're doing it on the field. Uh, I, I love what I'm doing, and I love that uh, with what I do. I'm, I'm kind of like that quiet recruiter that is seeking out, you know, uh, so many of these great. Um, especially young millennials who are who are doing their thing uh, on social media or doing their thing in digital, and reaching out to them and saying that you have a place, that you have a platform that we've set up that you can extend your voice in it and be your true and most authentic self. Exactly, exactly, and that's what Brother Banks was saying, bringing that authenticity to our to the various platforms that we have, and saying that I'm going to bring in. Dr. Elam, Vice Vice Provost for Undergraduate Education and Vice President for the Arts and Senior Vice Provost for Education at Stanford. Dr. Elam, how are you? I'm fine. Thanks for having me on. Oh, this is a pleasure. This is an honor. This is an honor. And we have 
Brother Ryan Williams from NBC News on with us, and the uh, illustrious, acclaimed, esteemed Coy Banks with us as well. Dr. Elam, you have been a, a, a tremendous force uh, in the arts for a number of years. What do you see the future being for African-American men and men of color as they have these various platforms now in the arts? What are their roles? Where, did, where do they need to be? And how can they move their agendas forward? So one of the places we still need to be is not only in front of the camera, but behind the camera. That so much strength comes in either producing, being able to green light a show that may be a film that happens or a television show. So that's going to, as that starts to change all the more, and one of the things that's impacted it is that uh, there are now so many different media and streaming outlets from you know, YouTube to Amazon, et cetera, that there are more possibilities as people look for content. And so as we make more and more inroads into this, that will make a difference, I think, for black men in particular. So you're saying that we have to use this diversity of medium to really show these positive images of men of color uh, to be able to use those platforms. And that, that is interesting because I, th I think sometimes that message gets lost. Nicole, what do you think? How, how can we use social media even better, as Dr. Elam is saying, to really promote that? How can you use that to really put yourself out there? More. More. <laughs> because, you know, as Dr. Elam said, we're, we're there. We exist in these mediums. Just more. More. Everyone just saturate the, the medium, saturate it with more content, more voices, more faces, more, more perspective. Just keep it out there because, as we know, our stories, every, everyone's stories are, you know, is important, but they tune in. They tune in. They're listening. And there's so much material out here for us to comment on. There's so much for us to, that we, we are a part of everything. So film it, record it. Put your send face it out there. Put, it, your, put your face out there. Put your expressions out there. Exactly. Ryan, you know, as we think about this commentary about the various modes of social media, and everyone can chime on it, but I'm, I'm going to send this to Ryan first. As you came on the show, Ryan, you talked about, as a black man, what's going on in our country right now? And social media is, there's a narrative going on on social media. You know, why people should take a knee or why they shouldn't take a knee. Why is why is those various platforms so important for us to get that message out? As I said earlier, it seems like a lot of people failed civics class. <laughs> there's, a, there, there's a lot of Americans that either did not go, were tardy, missed the Bill of Rights class, or something. They're going back now. Right, I exactly. Why is it so important for us to use these various platforms now to really push what's going on with our lived experiences? You know, I... I, I... I look at the fact that when we're on social media, when we're on uh, our, on our telephones each day, you know, African Americans, we are always we we over-index on getting the latest phone. You know, you know, when that next Apple iPhone comes out, you know, there's going to be a good chance that one of your cousins, your brother, somebody in your family is going to be so proud about the fact that they have that. And when they have that, they have an immeasurable amount of power to tell their story, to tell the story in which their community, to say what's on their mind as soon as they get up in the morning and engage in terms of a great amount of information uh, throughout their day. And now that we are so, we're so interconnected because of it, uh, 
as we start seeing in terms of these incidents that are that are taking place that are happening, uh, we're now engaging in larger conversations that are bringing back some of the basic freedoms that we we all knew that we enjoyed, but are now being tested. Right, right. Uh, Dr. Elam, thank you, Brian. Dr. Elam, mm-hmm. as we think as we think about being able to use these mediums and and stars like Nikoi and stars like Ryan who are out there in spaces in, in these spaces where people see them and they they have to couch themselves in a certain way. You being the revolutionary person that you've been for so long, what kind of advice would you give to black men, men of color, as they want to speak out and use their platforms to talk about? their lived experiences, and actually to voice concerns about things that are atrocities that happen in our communities. Because sometimes, often, there's this worry about reprisal. You won't get a role. You won't get hired. You might get fired. Mm-hmm. How, how, do you pu- how do you motivate our men to still push their agenda, to still push their criticism, their critiques, their, their lived experiences out there? I think that's a great question, and I think uh, we've seen recently a, a wonderful example in terms of athletes. Uh, so you can contrast, say, somebody like LeBron with Michael Jordan earlier thinking that he needed to be apolitical to sell sneakers, and it wasn't a time. But LeBron being in such a, a place that he's not afraid to speak truth to power, not afraid to say what was wrong with uh, Trump and Trump's uh, edict against uh, the Golden State Warriors. So my advice is that, uh, is that we all need to be able to speak truth to power, to stand up for what we believe in, and it's important to show different images of black men in ways and in different spaces. It's one of the things that uh, we're seeing now, as uh, it was mentioned, there's more images of black men out there. And that's an important thing for all black men, that we don't get typecast into one sort of monolith. But that we, as we move forward, that we're strong enough in ourselves to say, I'm not going to take this. I'm not going to see this demeaning image of black people. I'm not going to see black men within this particular limited category and we'll try to do more. I think uh, we're blessed in, in some ways now, but it's just the beginning of a revolution that in terms of some of the image we can see on television, like uh, somebody like Sterling K. Brown in the show This Is Us, who just won the Emmy, uh, the fourth black man to do so. I think one of the interesting things in that role is that he's playing a man who's sensitive, yes. cares about his family, who has daughters and a wife, and uh, also the sense of responsibility to that. And we need to see those images of black people, and not only do we need to see them, other people do. Exactly. To see us differently. Exactly. Ryan, how do you feel about what Dr. Elam is saying, you know, bringing those images? Because you have to then put out Lester Holt, you know, and the work that he's doing. You know, how, how do you continue to promote that? Because Lester, Lester has to take in all of the voices of the people and then give information, you know, from a very bipartisan perspective. How does he continue to do that every day, and how, how, if any, do you assist him with that? You know, it's, and, and with Lester, we're extremely proud in terms of the, of, of the work he does every day. I mean, you could be, when, when you're on the front lines of, uh, of national or international news, uh, to be, you know, to, we all know, especially with many of us who, 
who grew up watching the news and, and, and folks like Max Robinson and Carol Simpson, how important it is to, to wake up every day or see that person in the evening who's telling you all that's taking place. You know, what, what we all still respect about Lester is the fact is his work ethic and the fact that for, you know, for nearly 20 years within uh, NBC News, he's been, he's really been the man. And, and so much in terms of what he does now, uh, and, he, and he'll tell you, is, is listening. You know, uh, and that's why I think that he has gained so much in terms of the credibility of the American people, is that it's not just, uh, you know, uh, what he's sharing every day, but the ability that when he's out there on the field to listen to um, everyday people and what's taking place within their lives and make sure that within those 22 minutes of, of, the, of the evening broadcast, you understand that you're hearing from someone with that level of integrity who is sharing that um, that great responsibility in, in your living room, on your phone, on your tablet, wherever you are taking in that news. Right. He does, a, he does an amazing job. And, and I know it was very hard for him to come on and really make the show his after Brian Williams left because you, you have this face who's been there for a tremendous period of time and then to come on. You know, and really be the face of the American public. He's done a wonderful job. Dr. Elam, I know you've got to go, and I appreciate the time that you've spent with us, but I want to ask you one more question. And it really goes sure. back to, as you mentioned, you know, we're very proud of Sterling Brown and the work that he's done on This It Us. As you said, you know, for him to be able to show a sensitive, caring, loving father, you know, and, and the emotion that he, you know, brings to that show. But think about his acceptance speech the other night and how beautiful it was but it was cut short you think about the other actresses and actresses that had this time to really emote about what was going on in their lives but it was cut short do you think this is some way emblematic of how far we have to go in spite of the resurgence of positive black male images on tv because his story needed to be heard but we didn't get to hear that yeah no i i think that's exactly the case or you could look at something like moonlight you know, like in the Oscars, we, we were cut off and almost didn't win when they won. Yes, right? exactly. You know, exactly. and so, I, I mean, while you could argue neither thing was on purpose or, or you know, uh, but they are symbolic of how far we need to go. The fact that there's only been four men to win it so far, four black men, um, is uh, not a record that we want to continue. Exactly. So how do we get more black men in such positions of power, as I mentioned before, behind stage that operate and can impact, you know, other black men being in front of the camera. How do we get them in in in, in, in the Emmys so that they they're controlling who gets cut off for dozens? <laughs> exactly. So we think about the system, and and one of the on on the other side of my life is being a systems thinker and thinking about where are those other levers that we need to be able to pull. You know, right. it's the executive producer. It's the it's the it's the person who's got the money. Money is the greatest leverage point in any system. And yeah. so to be able to say, you know what, I'm going to have this actor. I'm going to I'm going to be the director. I'm going to direct this. I'm going to bring my ideas to fruition. Those things like that. We've got to be able to push. And I think. Being able to have that money, you know, and how do we find the money spaces for us to be able to bring black actors, black actresses, uh, men and women of color more to the screen is going to be important because everyone needs to see this. And, you know, so everyone who's listening, it's not just about bringing black actresses and actresses so we can see them. Our lived experiences are just like anybody else's. 
as my good friend Jarvis DeBerry says, that, you know, we are not extraordinary. And that is a very interesting thing for him to say. He's a, a well-known columnist here at the Times-Picayune. Mm-hmm. But he says that we are not extraordinary. He doesn't want to be extraordinary. He says we are ordinary people. Just, you know, extraordinary means that there's something different about us. We have similar lived experiences. We go home. We cook dinner. We have families. We love each other. We raise our children. We go to the park. What, what, a part, what about that makes that extraordinary? So if I could add something to that, with, to the playwright August Wilson. Um, August Wilson was uh, has won two Pulitzer Prizes and is the, was the most produced playwright in the country in 2016, which says more than just African Americans were watching his work. Right, exactly. And what Wilson set out to do, he's written a play for every decade of the 20th century, and in that he looks at African American history, most more specifically black men, and says they're not tangential to, but central to the history of the United States. Mm. And more than that, he looks through them, looks at them through the lives of everyday African American people. So if you saw the movie or haven't seen it yet, Fences, you get oh. that where he takes the life of this black man and this black family in 1957, and says, "Let's look at this ordinary experience in a way and see how it, what meanings it has, and how it conveys those meanings about not only black lives, but." lives cross-culturally exactly. as well. Exactly. So there's, there's, we've got a long way to go, but we've got, I think, uh, some good voices out there that are helping to move us forward. Exactly, exactly. Fences was an amazing movie, and, and I, I wrote a piece about the, Denzel's concept of the black masculinity in that, and, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. how he just brought that out and the struggles that we go through. You know, you really, you really get to understand what it's like, the plight you, and show that to the world and, and how successful that movie was. Mm-hmm. You know, Dr. Elon, I am I am honored. I am appreciative. I am oh, thank o- you. overjoyed to have you um, be a part of the world and what you're giving out, you know, to be able to bring and mentor brothers like Sterling Brown and everyone else. And I know that my good friend, uh, Rachel Graham, her daughter is at Stanford. Yes, she is. And she, she is. is in the arts, and I know she will be looking for you. So please look out for her. I will. All right. Have a great day. Thank you for having me on. Thank you. Thank you. Ryan, hopefully you're still with us for a couple minutes, brother. I'm here. Gotcha. So as we think about this, as we think about this, we're going to unpack this a little little more. If you remember a couple years ago, Nikoi, Oscar's so white, Hmm. right? (laughs) Oscar's so white. But, But can we say that? Can we say that anymore? Can we, you know, you, you see your success, Mahershala's success, Donald Glover, Sterling Brown, Denzel, Lester Holt, you know, can we still say that? Yes, I, I, I do, actually, you know, uh, just because, you know, we have those, you know, one, two, one, two, here, there, uh, what, what about the others? There, there's, there's so many more that could be built up, but you only have those, you know, three or four you only have those three or four that uh, that that they highlight, and once they highlight them, they're going to keep them in the spotlight. Right. What, what about what about the other ones that's right next to them? Right, you right. Know? Ryan, Ryan, I know we lost you for a second, brother. You know, as I said, um, you know, this hashtag that was a couple years Oscar so white, but can we still say that with the success that we're seeing with men of color and women of color? Can we still say that? How do we how do we move how do we move it past then if we can still say that because I mean somebody can come up and say you know what Mahershala won the best supporting actor you know you know 
the, the the reason I say that, and and um, and when you know when April Rain uh, launched the Oscar for White uh, about two and a half years ago, um, uh, it, it woke up the industry. But I don't really feel like we are really seeing the change just yet. You figure how long it takes from the time of a good pitch of a of a great film right, to the time it's launched to the time it's filmed, it's in, you know, pre production, marketing, post production, all that takes place in terms of with it. Uh, I feel like uh, twenty eighteen is gonna be like one of the blackest years of film that we may not have seen since you know, house party and, <laughs> you know, wow. In, wow. in a long time. And so if you look at, if you look at, at, at the business of Hollywood, and I'm thinking in terms, just in terms of the business of media in general, that once that wake up call happens, you've seen great, uh, you know, uh, moderate successes over the past couple of years, but those were films that were made that were given the green light maybe three or four years ago. You know, before the hashtag came up. So I think that, uh, we're going to start to see it. But, you know, and I'll go back to you know, Dr. Elam's point, looking at the people behind the scenes. You know, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm within the news division, but I'm, I'm blessed to work within a large company that believes in diversity all across the board, not just from news, but within entertainment. And if there's, there's brothers and sisters who are behind the scenes who will push to invest in folks like Jordan Peele and Malcolm D. Lee and Tonya Barrett when they're launch when they're pitching films and and, and looking to uh, tell the full depth and breadth of the of the African American experience. Yeah, that's what it is. And, it, and what was the name of that movie? What's that? Uh, Jordan Peele's movie. Oh, get out! Get oh, out! God, you know, so but <laughs> it was such. A but, it, but it was still, <laughs> it was still one of those movies. You know, and I, I took my girlfriend at the time to see the movie, and it was it was eye opening. She didn't actually like the movie, um, but it was it was really eye opening. Yes, you know, and and the, but the, the, as you said, Ryan, the ability to take that movie and bring it to the forefront, to bring it out, where right. was the the pitch? All, all of those various things, and, and the work that he had to do just to get to that point. He had to be a funny man for a long time to then get behind the scenes and say, you know, I'm going to bring this movie that really talks about, you know, from a satirical perspective, the lived experiences of black folks and black so notice men. What, but notice what Jordan did immediately following. He didn't, he didn't just wait to make two or three or four or seven films and say, okay, I'm going to bring everybody else in. As soon as the film... I started really getting some buzz before it came out. He said, I want to launch, uh, increase efforts to bring other filmmakers on board. We, we, so much in terms of what we have to do, especially as black men, is lift as we climb. Yes, there you and, go. And we, and wait, we wait, wait a can, minute. <laughs> we, we cannot afford to wait until we get to that seventh movie to, to then bring everybody else up there with us. And it's great folks. Like Ava DuVernay and others who who have been preaching to the, to a very small choir about this for a great amount of time. So uh, I was lucky. Um, part of the, what I do here within NBC News is we developed two and a half years ago a, a African American uh, news unit uh, that's online and social media called NBC BLK. And when uh, we worked with Jordan in, in the promotion of the film, we went to. Uh, Morehouse College and with Morehouse and Spelman students, um, premiered the film to them as film students. 
and the and the conversation that came out of that, you can just feel how inspired they were exactly. to be able to talk to a new brother who was who was who was stepping out from where he could have easily been pigeonholed as a as just the comedian. And expanded his work and expanded his his vision and his own creativity to build more. And and out of that conversation, he said, "I want to I want to come here more. I want to speak to you all more. I want to invest in uh, what I've learned to you all now. Not wait twenty, thirty years, uh, and, and and then do the same." Right, right, Brian. Again, man, I'm just so appreciative of the time. I know you have a busy schedule. I know you're running the world down there at NBC trying to make sure that both men and women of color are, are, are getting their time in in front of the camera and behind the camera. So we appreciate all the hard work that you are doing, brother. We we definitely appreciate it. I also want to thank Brother Nikoi Banks and Ryan, my, my, my good friend, Rachel Williams, wants me to make sure that I say Ryan Williams, our Director of Multicultural Initiatives at NBC News. Again, brother, we appreciate it. On my side today, Nikoi Banks, Queen Sugar alum, rising star. You know, look out for him. Yes. You know, he's going to be doing his thing. And all he's asking for is more. 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 That's what Ryan Williams is asking for. More, That's more. Right. I want to thank my producer, Rachel Graham, for earning her money today as she put this <laughs> together. The man behind the wheels of steels, my main man, Jazz. And as always, be able to answer the most thought-provoking question of your life, people. What's your revolution? Have a great week, everyone. <laughs> <laughs>